Welcome to the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman, where Jerry reads a chapter from the New Testament and gives us key insights and life applications along the way. For more information about the Solid Life Journal and reading plans, visit solidlives.com. And now, let's get into today's reading. Verse 1, Then he, Jesus, began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, and built a tower, and he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. And, of course, now he's talking to the chief priest and the scribes and religious people here when he's given this parable. Verse 2, Now at vintage time he sent a servant to the vine dressers that he might receive some of the fruit of the vineyard from the vine dressers. And they took him and beat him and sent him away empty-handed. Again he sent them other or excuse me, another servant, uh, and at him they threw stones, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. And again he sent another, and him they killed, and many others beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one son, his beloved, he also sent him to them last, saying, They will respect my son. But those vine dressers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. So they took him and killed him and cast him out of the vineyard. Therefore, what will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy those vine dressers and give the vineyard to others. Have you not even read this scripture? And he's quoting from the Old Testament. The stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. And they sought to lay hands on him, but feared the multitude, for they knew he had spoken the parable against them. So they left him and went away. Well, how was this parable against them? Well, it wasn't all against them, like those individuals alone. But he's talking about the Jewish people. Now, Jesus is Jewish. Okay, He, he was born of the seed of Abraham, along with all of these people he's talking to, these religious leaders. But he's saying, look, God is the one. He's the owner of the vineyard. And he, it says right at the beginning, a man planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a place for the wine vat, built a tower. He leased it to vine dressers. The vine dressers in this case are the Jewish people. And so God's the one that made the promises to Abraham and said, I'll bless you, I'll bless your descendants. Through you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. God's the one that started. In fact, God created the earth, right? But God also made this covenant with Abraham, and he turned this over to Abraham because through Abraham, the Messiah and salvation is going to come, and the Bible is going to come to the world. See? But then God sent prophets. God sent prophet after prophet. God sent men of God uh, to, to be able to help the people of God to bear fruit and to see the words of God and the fruitfulness of God from what he had given them come to bless God and to, you know, to be fruitful, to see people's lives change, to see people come into relationship with him. But what did they do? Prophets were killed. Prophets were ostracized. Prophets were not believed. They were sometimes imprisoned and they were spitefully treated. And of course, God now sending the son in the, uh, who is Jesus, and they're, what are they going to do? They're going to crucify him. 
So he's just, Jesus is telling this parable against them. And he's saying the stone which the builders rejected, that's Jesus, he's the stone. And they're rejecting him. They're rejecting the Messiah in his first coming. Has become the chief cornerstone. Well, yeah, absolutely. Jesus is going to go on to become the King of kings and the Lord of lords, seated at the right hand of Father God appropriately and such. And he said, this was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our eyes. Verse 12, so they sought to lay hands on him because they knew that he's indicting them. He's telling this parable against them. See, if their hearts were humble, they would say, we did do that, didn't we? We Jewish people, along with themselves, we did do that. Oh, forgive us. Oh, God, forgive us. No, there's no humility there. They're not trying to be right with God. They're trying to be right. They're trying to make their way right instead of humbling themselves and receiving the truth of God. So they didn't receive it, and they left him and went away. Okay, verse 13. Then they sent to him some of the Pharisees and the Herodians to catch him in his words. See, this is evil. They're trying to catch him so that they can discredit him and maybe even eventually uh, put him to death. Verse 14. When they had come, they said to him, Teacher, we know that you are true. Listen to that. See, that's a setup. That's a lie. We know that you are true. So they're just setting him up. We know that you are true and care about no one, for you do not regard the person of men, but teach the way of God in truth. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Shall we pay or shall we not pay? Now, this is a big deal because they're trying to get him to speak against Roman law. Why? Because the Romans have the authority to put somebody to death. So, uh, but he, knowing their hypocrisy, knowing their hypocrisy, said to them, Why do you test me? Bring me a denarius that I may see it. A denarius is a little Roman coin. So they brought it. And he said to them, Whose inscription, whose image and inscription is this? They said to him, Caesar's. And Jesus answered and said to them, Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Oh, let me tell you, this was so wise. So he tells them, well, that coin has Caesar's image on it. So that must belong to Caesar. So give Caesar what belongs to Caesar. But he goes on to say, and give God what belongs to God. Oh, that's powerful. What, what belongs to God? Well, the, the temple that he cleansed belongs to God. Isn't that right? The commandments belong to God. The, the, the parable that he told, the, the whole process of receiving the covenant and speaking the truth and seeing people come into relationship with God, the vineyard belongs to God. See, give God what belongs to him. Tithes and offerings belong to God. Obedience to his commandments, all these things. We should be showing God our allegiance through these things. And so Jesus says, and to God the things that are God. And they marveled at him. They thought, oh man, that was a good answer. And we weren't able to catch him about the Roman thing. Okay, verse 18. Then some Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him, and they asked him, saying, Teacher, Moses wrote to us that if a, man, if a man's brother dies and leaves his wife behind and leaves no children, his brother should take his wife and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first took a wife, and dying, he left no offspring. And the second took her, and he died, 
nor did he leave any offspring. And the third likewise, so the seven had her. In other words, the, all seven brothers married this one lady because when the brother would die, then they, uh, according to the law, they would marry this lady. And the way that it worked in the law, so that that man that died who did not have an heir would have an heir, then his brother should marry the wife, uh, the widow, and then that first child would be of the deceased brother's name and carry on his, uh, his, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? His descendancy, carry on his family, right? And so that first child would belong to the brother. But in this case, we don't know if this was a true story or if they were just making this up. But in this case, all seven men married this lady <laughs> and Man, something must have been wrong with her. They were all cursed and they all died, but she never did have children. So watch this. So the seven had her and left no offspring. Last of all, the woman died also. So here's their question. Therefore, in the resurrection. Now, what's interesting is it just said up there this, that the Sadducees did not believe in the resurrection. So they're asking this question to ridicule him, to get him to say something, to prove him to be... Uh, inept to not know what he's talking about to discredit him and so they said therefore in the resurrection when they rise whose wife will she be for all seven had her as wife and watch this Jesus is not only going to answer their question but he's going to go on to teach them that their doctrine is wrong about the resurrection so Jesus answered and said to them are you not therefore mistaken because you do not know the scriptures nor the power of God? He's telling the Sadducees, you don't know the word. You don't know the scriptures, so you're mistaken. For when they rise from the dead, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. Well, there's a lot of speculation about that. But nonetheless, Jesus is clearly saying in the resurrection or in the afterlife for believers, it's not going to be quite like it is with husband and wife here on earth. Okay, verse 26, he goes on to say, watch this, but concerning the dead that they rise. Now he's going to address their doctrine, not believing in the resurrection. But concerning the dead that they rise, have you not read in the book of Moses in the burning bush, bush passage how God spoke to him saying, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are therefore greatly mistaken. So he's saying, you know, of course, Abraham lived about 2000 BC. Moses lived about 1500 BC. So 500 years after Abraham, 400, 400 years after, uh, 425 years or whatever after Isaac and the same, you know, another generation for Jacob. So we're talking about 350 years or so or more. He's saying, he's talking to Moses, and, he, and God is saying, I am the God of Abraham. I am the God of Isaac. I am the God of Jacob. And he says, not the God of the dead, but the living. So in other words, they must still be living. Well, we know this, the story in Luke chapter 16 of the rich man and a man, a beggar named Lazarus that had died. And the Bible says that Lazarus was carried by angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man, being in torments and flames, said, Father Abraham was talking to Abraham across a big gulf. See, so Abraham was in this cavern in the earth, of course, till the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But notice 
that Abraham's still alive, not in his physical body because his physical body had died. But his spirit, his soul is still alive. And so when God says, I'm the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, uh, the God of Isaac and Jacob, he said, it's not the God of the dead, but of the living. He said, therefore, you are greatly mistaken. He just called them out on their false doctrine, their misunderstanding of Scripture. And so it says, then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, see, they were stumped by Jesus, uh, this scribe now, which scribes really knew the Bible because they're the ones that copied the Scriptures from one scroll to the next, it says, this scribe asked him, which is the first commandment of all? That's a great question. And Jesus answered him, the first of all the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, uh, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This is the first commandment. And the second, well, the man didn't ask about a second, but Jesus just goes on to say, and let me give you the second. And the second, like it, is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. So watch this. So the scribe said to him, Well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth, for there is one God, and there is no other but he. And to love him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, and with all the strength. And to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now watch this. We're not used to people getting it right with Jesus. Now when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, wow. When Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. <laughs> In other words, this man was able to discern and already had some knowledge that these two commandments, loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and loving your neighbor as yourself, uh, is really encapsulated the whole law, all the law of Moses. And that God wasn't really looking for animals to be killed for sacrifice. He was looking for us to love God and to love other people. And if we would do that, we wouldn't be violating the laws. If you're loving people, you're not committing adultery. If you're loving people, you're not stealing from them. If you're loving people, if you're loving your parents, you're not dishonoring them, right? If you're loving God, then you're not putting other gods before him. See, all the commandments are resolved with those two commandments. And this scribe understood it. And Jesus knew he answered wisely and said, you're not far from the kingdom of God. Praise God. Thank God. But after that, no one dared question him. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, How is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So notice, the Lord said to my Lord. Well, who's my Lord? My Lord is Jesus. In fact, I believe this, the 23rd Psalm when David said, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I believe that's the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord is my shepherd. Watch this. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand. Well, we know it's Father God that said to Jesus, sit at my right hand. 
And of course, David being a prophet, he's prophesying something that's going to happen after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, that till I make your enemies your footstool. That's a quote from the Old Testament from David, the prophet. So Jesus goes on to say, therefore, David himself calls him, talking about the Christ or the Messiah, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? See, because it was prophesied that the Messiah, who is Jesus, would come from, of course, Abraham. He's going to be Jewish, but also through David's line, through the you know prophet or the or King David. And God told David, "You'll not cease to have a man that sits on your throne. You'll have a son that sits on your throne forever." Well, how's that going to happen? The last of the sons of David is Jesus. He comes from David's line, and. He sits on the throne of God forever. So that's how God made the promise, because God was actually promising that the Messiah would come through David. Well, of course, these people didn't understand all that. And so Jesus is quoting the Old Testament to them, which they heard. They know the law. They know these scriptures. And he's saying, so if David called the Messiah, the Christ, the Messiah, if David called the Messiah uh, Lord, then how would he be the son of David if he's David's Lord? And they're thinking, I don't know. Never thought about that, right? But of course, Jesus, he knows these scriptures. Therefore, David calls him Lord. How is he then his son? And the common people heard him gladly. The common people said, that's a good point. That's a good point. Then he said to them in his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes Love greetings in the marketplaces, the best seats in the synagogues, and the best places at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These will receive greater condemnation. What does that mean, they devour widows' houses? Well, apparently, they were putting some kind of pressure or influencing widows or people that were unfortunate, people that were disadvantaged in some way, they didn't have much, uh, convincing them they needed to give up the little bit that they had, maybe to give it to the temple or the ministry. And this, this speaks today that, let me tell you, there are some ministries, I don't believe it's the majority, but there are some ministries that really work to just keep extracting money out of people, but it's not with the heart for the ministry. Tithing and offerings, it is the scriptures. But on occasion, this has happened, where ministers have done this and they've pressured and just kept working it and pressuring people and maybe making them feel bad, you know, putting, putting guilt trips on them to make them think they should give even more. And boy, Jesus is calling it out. Here are these wealthy leaders, these religious leaders were wealthy. And Jesus is calling out that you keep taking and pressuring people. See, just to teach the Bible and to let people give what the Word of God says is one thing. But if you're trying to hint that they should even do beyond that, Jesus said, oh, you're going to have a greater condemnation. Okay, verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury. Now watch this. Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. I think it's interesting that Jesus watches people giving offerings. I believe Jesus watches people today too. So he watched people putting money into the treasury, and many who were rich 
put in much. So they're rich, but they put in much. That's what the Bible said. Then one poor widow, one poor widow came and threw in two mites. Now, two mites is like, I mean, both of them like a penny. I mean, hardly anything. Watch this. This one poor widow came in. What does widow mean? Back in this day, you don't have a way to go out in the workplace in this society. You're a poor widow. Your husband who was the breadwinner of the family, excuse me, family, he's gone. You have no way to really take care of yourself. You hardly have anything to live on. She throws in this tiny little dinky offering, two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, boy, when he saw that, he called his disciples, come here, guys, come here. He called his disciples to himself and said to them, assuredly, I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. And the Bible said that some had given much, but he said this poor widow gave more than all of those who had given to the treasury, for they all put in out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Wow. Now, Jesus must have perceived this by the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is saying that God assessing how much we're giving it has to do, is relative. It's relative to how much you have. And Jesus said, that's all she had. She gave 100% of her wealth, 100%. And Jesus is showing us, number one, God watches us when we give offerings. And it's not how much we gave, but, it, but it's based on how much we have. And when we make sacrifices, oh, God notices. Aren't you glad God noticed this poor little widow? He noticed her and he gave her credit. And oh, I pray that the Lord blessed her for that. And we don't know it. It's not captured in the scripture, but we don't know that Jesus didn't even pray and say, Father, bless her back for that gift that she gave. I, I sure appreciate the heart of the Lord, don't you? He watches, he notices, and he gives credit where credit is due. All right, there we go. That's chapter 12. I'll see you tomorrow for chapter 13. Thank you for joining us for the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman. And thank you to those of you who have partnered with Solid Lives to help get this daily podcast and other resources like it to thousands of people around the world. If you would like to partner with Solid Lives, visit solidlives.com give. To find out more about the ministry of Solid Lives, how you can be a part of this church planting and disciple making movement, or for more great teachings and resources by Jerry, visit solidlives.com. We also want to invite you to check out Jerry's other podcast called The Jerry Dearman Podcast. Here, Jerry shares with us at least weekly from God's Word, challenging us and equipping us to fulfill the amazing plan that God has for our lives. You can find links to this podcast as well as Jerry's YouTube channel online at solidlives.com. Thank you again so much for joining us and we'll see you right here tomorrow as we jump into the New Testament Daily with Jerry Dearman.